Blog Talk Radio. Get my glasses. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. For a fresh new start MJ Network will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning everyone Actually, it's a heat wave here in Westchester It's 40 something degrees Oh my god And this is going to be so much fun from the author of Power of Attorney and Jailhouse Lawyer and a whole lot more, Renegade. Nancy Allen is here. And if you want to understand what anger management groups are, that's so cool. Assistant DA Kate Stone has just suffered the biggest loss of her career. What happens when a corrupt judge allows Max James to walk free? I'm not going to tell you anymore because Nancy Allen is here. Hi. Welcome to MJ Network. And your review is on my website and on the 22nd, it will be there with 27 stars. Yes. Good morning, Fran. This is Nancy. And Fran, I usually send you greetings from the Ozarks, but today it's greetings from New York City because that's where I happen to be. And my gosh, it's springtime here. Yeah, where in New York are you? Maybe you're close oh, by you in, can wave at me. <laughs> we are, uh, we're, we're in Midtown. And, uh, you know, our daughter lives here, so we come for a visit. And I couldn't believe it when we uh, got off the plane and walked mm-hmm. out of LaGuardia, and it was warmer in New York than it is in Springfield, Missouri. But we're tickled about it. Well, I'm glad you came because when my cousin was here two weeks ago, it was snowing, and she was very sad. And well, that, you that know, didn't... this won't last, but it's, boy, we lucked out. That's what. So it's lovely, sunshine and wonderful. It's beautiful, yeah. She's in Florida, and she rubs it in every morning that it's warm. Not fair. So tell us a bit summary of the plot, and how did you create Kate? And she's very well, outspoken. No wonder I like her. She's so like me. So scary. Oh, thank you so much, friend. I appreciate those words. Well, Renegade is a thriller, and it's about Kate Stone. She's an assistant DA in New York, and she joins a circle of kind of mavericks, kind of odd ducks in New York, who work together to deliver justice when the courts fail. So uh, now Kate, our girl Kate, she is a DA and she's passionately dedicated to her job, but when she sees that the law is letting the bad guys go sometimes and, and justice is falling through the cracks, well, Kate kind of steps up to a different avenue to correct that. And I'm so glad you like Kate because, oh, man, I love Kate Stone. I like mm-hmm. to write a female protagonist, a main character who is a strong, dedicated lawyer, but somebody who's got feet at play. So Kate, she's got flaws. As you know, she's got quirks. She cusses like mm-hmm. a sailor and drinks like a fish, and she loses her temper. That's one of her main problems. But her heart's in the right place. She wants to do the right thing. She just sometimes is going at it backwards, it seems like. Well, she's so like me because when I want to know something, my dad taught me that. He said, the only person that's going to get you anywhere is yourself. And if you want to know, don't count on anybody else to do it. Do it yourself. And you'll probably get it done the right way. And that is wise advice he gave you. And that's what, Kate, that's kind of how she rolls, too. Yeah, which is exactly kind of that renegade thing, you know. Well, I like that word because people should they need more of those. So, her personality gets in the way. Tell us about the trial, and unlike this guy Max James, that sets the events to follow in action. Whoa! And then so, I've heard of corrupt judges before. <laughs> yeah. And in addition, so you know, um, I, I write legal thrillers, and most legal thrillers end with a trial, but this book starts out with one. Renegade opens with a jury trial, and Kate 
has prosecuted um, a big shot, big time Wall Street trader, and his name is Max James. She has prosecuted him. Max, Max James beats up women, and so she prosecuted him because he went to a massage parlor and wanted a happy ending, is what they call it in the uh, business sometimes. Anyway, but this was a uh, she was a licensed masseuse. This woman wasn't a prostitute. When he uh, when she wouldn't give him what he wanted sexually, he just beat the stuffing out of her. So Kate mm. prosecuted him for felony assault and did it even though uh, a lot of the supporting witnesses backed off. They were afraid to participate. She ends up, she's got essentially a swearing contest, but she knows he's good for it. So Kate prosecutes him for this felony. Jury comes back. Oh, and, and the judge, you know, ruled against her every step of the way. And the jury comes mm. back with a not guilty verdict. Kate loses. She loses this trial she really, really believed in. The victim is devastated, and that's how our story opens. And in addition, so she's lost this trial. She leaves the courtroom as as Max James is going up with his uh, lawyers. He's all lawyered up, going up, shaking hands with the judge like they're celebrating it. And then um, outside of the criminal courts building, um, she gets in an argument with Max James, and one thing leads to another, and she punches him out. He goes I down on the when she did that. I stood yeah. up and applauded when she did that one. I thought that oh, was great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Got to do what you got to do. So punching him in the head actually was wrong, but who cares? He deserved it. And so, in addition, of course, the problem was that, you know, people got their cell phones out and something's happening anymore. And so there was video made of it. And the video circulated bad. everywhere because when you got a DA punch somebody in front of the courthouse uh, and so it circulated and she gets called on the carpet uh, by her boss and uh, it sets up what's uh, coming after because um, her boss calls her in and he says as a requirement of your employment, your continued employment, you've got to go into anger management therapy because you've got a problem with your anger and so he requires her to um, to go find an anger management support group. So if she didn't do it, she would be out on her butt. Right. Anywhere. And 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 she she thinks her job's important. She is. Uh, yeah. uh You know, she she wants to uh, to be an advocate for women who are abused, and uh, and so she she thinks her job's important. And she she doesn't think she has a problem with anger, but uh, so now she's got to go and find a support group. Now that's the hard part because she finds one, but each one of these people is scary has their own anger issues. So why do we get the feeling when we meet them that she better watch out? So. She tries a first support group, and she thinks, I don't know if this is for me. But there's a guy yeah. at that support group who comes up to her afterwards, and his name is Stephen. And he, um, they talk, and she says, I don't know. This doesn't seem like it's going to work for me. And he tells her he knows of a different group that she's going to like better. And if she mm. would just come and check out his support group, that um, it's going to be something he thinks she can really – connect with and she doesn't know she's eh, maybe not but anyway he talks her into it and she says she'll give his support group a try well she sort of had no choice she's between a rock and a hard right. place here so, so this guy goes, didn't like it all it took a while so to goes, go on me he was yeah he yeah. goes yeah but uh-huh so who is it's Frank yeah. Rubenstein? Isn't he supposed to be good for her? So why doesn't he ever defend her? I'm going to smack him in the head a couple of times. You know, um, I have worked for public officials. I did it uh, pretty much all through my uh, practice mm. for 15 years. And, and of course, you know, some are great and some are not. But, but one mm. thing that's a little bit of a common quality, when you work for a public official, for a politician, sometimes – they view their position as something of a stepping stone politically, and sometimes they're very, very concerned about um, how the things that go on in the office 
reflect on them in a political manner. And so I think Frank Rubenstein, and he is the Manhattan DA. He is the guy over all of the office. And so um, I think sometimes he doesn't appreciate how committed Kate is and how hard he works. Mm, To some extent, it seems like he's going, well, what do you do? How does it reflect on me? How does it help me? So I think Mm -hmm. the reason that he isn't sticking up for her is because he is very self-involved and concerned with uh, his own welfare. So that's why he said you're going into anger management uh, uh, therapy, and uh, first group doesn't work out. Second group is kind of a mysterious and strange encounter Mm. where she goes into a second support group, and they make her come to this really weird setting in a deserted, shut-down old church. And uh, she goes in and meets the, this this group of nine. Well, she makes the ninth. This group of eight people, and she joins them. And they have a mix of additions. Uh, uh, I beg pardon, of uh, dysfunctions and addictions. So she walks in there, and they're not just people who have an anger problem. There's a sex addict. There's a drug addict. There's a gambling addict. All mm. different problems thrown in together in this weird dark church, this mysterious uh, uh, setting, but what she finds out is all of those people are disillusioned with the system, with the criminal justice system, with the courts. They want to fix the problems that are slipping through the cracks in the criminal justice system. And so they're saying, why don't you all come and do it? Because we will dish up some real justice. And at first she says, not me, because she still believes in the system. Mm. She's a DA. Her dad was a, a career NYPD cop. She, she, she doesn't want to take mm. the law into her own hands. And so she says no that time. Well, I'll tell you something. Then why am I, you know, we're dealing with attorneys. I won't say why. Neither side is, is great. And I, I learned that, that sometimes your side plays games, plays too hard, plays too nice with the other side, gets you nowhere. Seriously, I could have used her to, to, to defend my problem. We all want on our own side, isn't she? Yeah. So tell us about her mother, and her mother wants her to go to work for her, but she doesn't want to go to work for her. I don't blame her. Okay. So Kate's mother is a defense attorney in New Jersey, yeah. pretty high-profile New Jersey defense attorney. She is very bossy, which maybe wouldn't be a surprise. She's really, really controlling over her two children, and she wants to tell Kate what to do and how to live her life. So they don't get along. But, um, you know, as you read and you get to know Kate and then you see her mother, you've got to wonder, do they not get along because they're so completely different or because they're kind of alike, Fran? Mm. But she and her mother have an interesting dynamic, and that was fun to write. I know. She reminded me of my mother. Yes, exactly. This is how you do it, and you don't do it any other way, and you will do it right. this way. Right. Well, well, she told me when I was two and a half that I was going to be an educator. Little did I know she was right. She's right. <laughs> Sometimes they do turn out to be right. I had, well, yeah, she sort of figured I had a big mouth in control. No. <laughs> so <laughs> this group was different. They would, how would they handle cases and how did they create their own brand of justice? That's why I like them. So in this, uh, this second group, um, Every one of them has been disappointed or mistreated or misused mm-hmm. by the criminal justice system. So every month this group comes together, and they all decide on one case, they, they, uh, one case that they've heard of or they've read of uh, where the court's messed up, and they think that they will deliver justice. And so they tell Kate if she'd just join us, they would serve up justice to Max James because they think that the – that the uh, uh, verdict was wrong. And she said no at first, but then uh, Max James does it again. It isn't, I mean, she barely has time to turn around before she sees Mm. on the news that Max James has put another woman into the hospital. And so that's why she goes back and says, "Um, yeah, I'll join in. I'll join up with you if we'll go after Max James. And so in this group, 
every one of them has um, a problem, a dysfunction. As I told you, there's a, a drug addict and there's another anger management person. There's an alcoholic. There's a guy with PTSD. But they also all kind of have an interesting skill uh, set. So Kate's a lawyer, but there's a doctor in there. There's a tech whiz, a finance person, a structural engineer, uh, mm. uh, an entertainer. They all have a talent, and so every member kind of combines their skill set and uses that to execute a plan where a wrongdoer gets their comeuppance. That's amazing. I know. This, this is why I like them, I think, because they're so out of the box that it really made it was fun. So, oh, thank you. Thank you. you. See, I told you, I get these things sometimes. You know, it's, it's amazing <laughs> because... I I read um, something you you probably would like it even better because there were a lot of legal discrepancies in the book, but the book was good. It was called The Murder Rule by Devla Shahalan um, Kernham, and it deals with the Innocent Project. And Interesting. I did I read the book with Phil wrote with a whole bunch of other authors, and there were a lot of author lawyers that said there were a lot of discrepancies about the ending, and I could see why. But I saw something that nobody else did. I think what they wanted to do is take the main character who wasn't a lawyer and make her change her personality and her viewpoint. So they allowed her to sort of like, you know, question the witness at the end. I don't know why, but it was interesting. So what did she want them to investigate? She had a a goal. She did. And one thing she wants, of course, is she wants Max James uh, she wants Max James' head on a platter, uh, you know, figuratively. But there's another thing going on. She also, you know, her father, I said, was career uh, NYPD. But three years prior, he died. Mm. And he died uh, because uh, he uh, came out of a window on the top Ooh. story of his, I think he's got a five floor, maybe it's a six floor uh, um, apartment in Manhattan, and he ends up on the sidewalk, and he's dead. And uh, he did that the day that he was supposed to, uh, uh, he jumped to his death the day that he was supposed to uh, testify at a manslaughter trial against a fellow officer in the police department. And so Mm. people assumed that he committed suicide because he could not bring himself to testify against, you know, a, a brother in the brotherhood of law enforcement. Kate doesn't believe it. She does not believe her father would commit suicide, and she doesn't believe that he would want to avoid doing the right thing because he always believed in his integrity mm. and taught that to her and said, you've got to do the right thing even when it, uh, it's difficult and even when no one is watching. And so she thinks that maybe he was murdered, and she wants – her new friends and cohorts mm-hmm. to look into it because she wants to uncover the truth. So not only does she want Max James to go down, but she also wants the people in that circle to help her find out about her father. She was lucky that they listened to her because she's new in the group. Yeah. And that she brought something would be different. for a lot of attention for, yes, yeah, someone who's brand new in the group. She's my kind of person, I'm telling you. Uh-huh. So... So tell us about Whitney and Millie who are in the group, and why did you create the scene on the yacht? That was priceless. Well, um, Whitney and Millie um, are uh, the oldest and the youngest women on the group. Uh, Millie mm. is, is – she's young. She's fun. She's a drama queen. She's actually uh, in a conservatory because she um, wants to be an entertainer, and she wants – and she's studying opera. But she and um, she and Kate have a great connection very, very quickly and become friends. And the other friend that she quickly mm-hmm. makes is Whitney, and Whitney is the oldest in the group. She is kind of uh, a kind of crusty middle-aged gal. Uh, she had a great career in finance until she blew it all uh, because she had an addiction to gambling. But um, Whitney almost seems, as the story's developing, like she becomes a substitute mother figure to Kate, kind of, which is interesting, as you know, having read the book. I read the book twice. I read it over oh, this morning. Oh, gracious sakes, Fran. Well, and so well you know, I read it so long ago, got. and I said, I have to interview this person, and then there were people bothering me. 
you know, texting me at 7 o'clock in the morning for their problem, and I try to explain to them, life is tough and you come back later. And, yeah. And I know, you know, you do so much reading. You know, sometimes you do have to go back and go, now, now, what were the details of this story? I know exactly what you're talking about. Anyway, they have yeah, this scene on the yacht because they, they want to take down Max James. And they have figured out, you know, Max James works for Ian Templeton. Ian Templeton is yeah, that was a nice uh, question. one Who of is the he? biggest traders. So he is, you know, he's one of that 1%. He is one of that class of Americans. He's an investor. He is so rich, he's like untouchable. And so Max James is one of his primary employees, and that's why Max James is mm-hmm. so rich. So they have, they believe that uh, the two of them are uh, doing uh, white-collar crime. They think that they are doing investment scams and that if they could just get into Ian Templeton's property where he keeps you know, uh, his mm. computer, then they'd be able to tap into it and get the evidence. Well, it's kept on a yacht because he's so rich. He has a yacht, and he's having a party. And so they do this old-school heist where they mm, crash the party, sneak in, and then they have to get down into the bowels of the yacht you know, so that they can get the computer uh, to get the evidence of the financial crime. And, of course, oh, there's twists and turns and peril involved, and will they succeed mm. or will they fail or will they be apprehended in their attempt? But, um, but they get the evidence, and then – they do a whistleblower thing where they anonymously um, uh, send the evidence to the U.S. attorney and the SEC, and, and, and they send it to Kate's boss because uh, the DA of Manhattan has a big white-collar crime mm-hmm. division, and so they send all of the evidence to him. And, um, and so they have succeeded, and now they have to sit back and wait and see – where this goes with turning over the evidence to um, law enforcement and see what happens. Mm. Now, does it ever, you've done this for a million years, and I know that, you know, people have been in court and stuff. Do you ever find that the judge favors one side over the other, that sometimes they're not impartial, which I'm beginning to realize? And I have observed uh, the court system. You know, I'm no kid. I'm 65. I I became a lawyer when I was uh, 24 years old. And in my experience with the legal world, I actually think we got three different criminal justice systems. Um, Mm. And and I think it applies to civil, too. I think there's one for the poor, and that one doesn't work so hard because they say they're entitled to an attorney, but that means if you have no money that you'll get a public defender, and the public defender system is broken because we do not fund it. So I don't think that the criminal justice system for the poor is very good. For the middle class or, or for the people in the middle, it works better. It works better because they get counsel and then the counsel and the prosecution they're pretty evenly matched and and generally the right results are going to happen but Mm. for the rich i believe i honestly do fran that when we're talking about our justice system and trying to Mm. apply it to the rich i don't think it works at all because i think that even by the courts most of the time, mm-hmm. rich people are untouchable. They don't mm-hmm. get prosecuted for their crimes. When they get prosecuted, they don't get convicted for their crimes. I think law enforcement is afraid of them because they are so powerful uh, by virtue of money. I think the courts are afraid. Look at Epstein. How many years was he trafficking young girls, having sex with young girls? Everybody knew about it. I, when I say everybody, I don't mean you and me. But law enforcement mm-hmm. knew. The community knew. Society knew. Mm-hmm. Nobody did anything. The U.S. Attorney's Office was afraid to try and take him down in a meaningful way. It wasn't until that journalist in Miami, uh, for the Miami Herald, I can't think of the young woman's name, but she was the one who uh, empowered those young women who had been abused by them to raise their voices. It didn't happen sufficiently through our courts. It was the Miami Herald and the young women who finally made enough noise that Epstein ended up behind bars. Of course, now he's dead. But the system didn't work with Epstein because he had too much money. No, I, I agree. As a matter of fact, I really think that when 
and I won't say why, when a, when somebody comes up in front of a judge, two lawyers, whatever, and they're dealing with a regular person, and then they're dealing with a person that's in you know a different kind of field, whether it's a legal field, medical field, or um, any other field, sports field, they're going to side with that other person, no matter what. And uh, yeah, so this he, they try to create a Ponzi scheme. So what does that mean? What were they trying to do? What it was, what what we find out when they go and find the evidence that is on the yacht, when they find what's in the computer, they find out that he did a, a Ponzi scheme. Essentially, how Ian Templeton and Max James have made their money, they're doing yeah. the same thing Bernie Madoff did. And we all heard about Bernie Madoff, who made off with everybody's money. Um, what what it was essentially was they got people to invest their money, invest their life savings, and then they just stole the money, just stole the money and left the investors broke with a Ponzi scheme. And what a Ponzi scheme is, it's a fraud. It's a fraudulent scheme, a scam where people uh, uh, persuade others to invest their money with them. And the way they get them to do it, they promise them this huge rate of return. They promise them a deal that's way too good to be true. And then people go, oh man, I'm going to make a fortune. And so they invest the money. They turn it over to Bernie Madoff, or in this situation, Ian Templeton. They turn over the money to him. And so the fraud steals it. They don't invest it for him. They just steal it. Now, sometimes they've got to pay off them in, uh, some interest, or they've got to, they got to keep them in the game. And so in mm. order to they go out and get more investors and then they do the thing where you ever heard you rob peter to pay paul so they're getting in more investors they take some money from the new investors to pay off an interest rate to the people they first got in because they already stole their money and so then they got to get in more people and more people and so essentially it is a house of cards you see so a ponzi scheme always collapses it's a house of cards it's kind of like a pyramid and you got to get in the new suckers to be the bottom of the pyramid. And the only people who make money in a Ponzi scheme or a pyramid scheme is mm-hmm. is the the thief, the the fraudster, the guy at the top, the guy who's made up this scam. First, can take everybody's money. And so that is what Ian Templeton and Max James are doing. They're doing it, and you know. Bernie Madoff, he was Wall Street. Everybody thought Bernie Madoff was so legit. But Bernie Madoff was just a fraudster with Ponzi scheme, and that's what Ian Templeton and Max James are to mm. So they get the goods on them. They've got the evidence. They do the whistleblower. They send it off anonymously to um, to law enforcement, and they're waiting. They're waiting, and Kate sees the day that the charges are filed, but only Max James is charged with fraud. After they send off that evidence, Max James is charged with fraud, but Ian Templeton is not. Well, that that is the point, and I wonder sometimes if there are so many Ponzi schemes going around and people just don't see it. So this really got me. Her mother takes him on as a client, Max. Why? Yes. She must have had a fit. I would have a fit. Absolutely, and and her mother's like, "What's your problem?" I mean, that's what she does. That's that's her yeah. profession. She's criminal defense, and and her mom had a uh, her mom had a big win in a white collar uh, case the year before, and so it makes sense that Max James is lawyering up. He's going to have a whole bunch of lawyers, um, and so one of them is this woman, criminal defense attorney in um, New Jersey, and so he hires mom to be one of his attorneys, which absolutely flips um, Kate out that mom is defending, and um, and uh, she doesn't like it a bit, and so it's just another fun wrinkle in our story as it, as it rolls out. I know. So who is Leo? And tell Leo us more about is, Rubenstein. Well, Leo is um, – Leo is – Kate's brother. Kate's got a little brother, and Leo works for mom in the firm. And you know how mom tries to manipulate Kate and tell her what to do and has no success with Kate? Mom is able to pretty much uh, uh, serve as a dictator to Leo, and Leo does do everything that mom says. He is not like Kate at all. He's kind of Kate's 
polar opposite. And she loves her brother, but um, he's a pleaser. He can't stand up to mom. He's been through law school, but he's got a test anxiety problem, and he can't pass the bar exam. And so we have this brother and sister who are so very different, and uh, Leo does everything mom wants and everything mom says, but of course he can't please mom either because mom's very difficult to please. So that is Leo, and we see that whole family dynamic with Leo and Kate and the mother, and um, and then Rubenstein. So Rubenstein, I and mean, he's the Manhattan DA. So he's the one who told her she had to go into anger management therapy. And so, you know, she started out with that one legitimate meeting of an anger management group, but since then, she's just been hanging out with her uh, with her other uh, kind of vigilante type pals, uh, but she has a form that Rubenstein gave her, and he had this form with signature lines on it, and he wanted her to verify that she was going to anger management theory uh, therapy, and so the therapist is supposed to sign those. Well, what she did, one of her friends in her group of uh, other renegades, misfits, is. Um, is an artist, so he just forged those signatures to her. So she turned in the form to Rubenstein, but it's full of forged signatures. And so Rubenstein uh, learns that she has lied and deceived him, and so he fires her, and uh, she's fired. And Kate, you know, uh, Kate doesn't have any money. Uh, Her mother has uh, uh, tried to kind of lure her with money, and she would never take the bait with that. And so Kate's broke. She's fired. She's got to have a job, and she's got to have one right now because her rent's due. And uh, so she goes to work in New Jersey for her mother, which she swore she'd never do. But, you know, you should never say never because sure as you do, you're going to end up right where you said you'd never be. So Rubenstein fires her, and she goes to work for mom. And what exactly did mean mom have her do? Nothing her that she should really be doing, to, sort of menial work. She, yeah, and, and also her mother wants her to do the kind of work that she always swore she wouldn't. So she says to her mother, I will yeah. do no criminal defense. And her mother says, we're a criminal defense firm. And so she says, no criminal defense, and besides, I'd have a conflict. Can't do anything. And so then um, her mother said, okay, here's a civil case, but it's a Title Seven sexual harassment case. And she says, we're representing the employer. That's the opposite of what Kate wants to do. Kate wants to defend the woman who has been harassed, not the employer who's harassing the women. So this is not a good place for Kate, but she's in a spot. She got to pay her rent. So she is in a pickle with her employment in her mother's office. It is not what she ever intended to do with her life. I know. That's that's just the point. Because when it goes against your grain, you don't want to do it. Exactly. That's why I like her. She's like me. And if I don't want to do it, I'm not going to. So uh-huh. why did her mother hire an PI to conduct an independent inquiry about her father's death? She should have let her do it. And, and here again, you know, um, like I said, uh, the mother and Kate have some similarities, uh, even though they are not, uh, through most of the book, uh, seeming to have a very good connection of mother and daughter. But just like Kate did, the mother suspected she doesn't believe that, and, and she'd been long divorced from her husband, but she doesn't believe that he jumped to his death because she just knew him well enough to think that that's not something he would do. So after it was determined that it was suicide and that was the official cause of death on the death certificate, she hired a private investigator because she wanted her own inquiry. And so the PI did an inquiry and the PI, you know, investigated, but he came to the same conclusion that he jumped uh, to his death and it was suicide. And she has marked up the file with red ink and the mom just doesn't believe it either. And so one thing about Kate working in mom's office Mm -hmm. is she has been able to stumble on to the file and Mm -hmm. the documents and reports. And she sees that her mother agrees with her but she wants mm. why does her mother never talk to her about this i mean one thing they agree on the two of them if they put their heads together could have figured out what was going on but um, her mother still refuses to discuss it with her she doesn't want to give her the credit to do because maybe she may feels that she may take over or make her look bad tell dad 
Some people have to be in so much control that they can't give up a drop and or even compliment. It's my mother. It's true. And, and that may be yeah. one of the mother's problems because she does want to exercise complete control. Now, this is really amazing. How did you create the mysterious Gatsby? Well, you know, um, this group, uh, the misfits that gets together and, and, and does these things, you know, they, they've got somebody who is their benefactor that we never see because a lot of what they yeah. do is really expensive, but somebody's funding it. And somebody's overseeing it, and so they've got this uh, unseen, anonymous benefactor who's helping them out. Who, for example, when they go to the party on the yacht, uh, they are going on the yacht in a limo. They are going in in dresses that they got on Madison Avenue. You know this, and so somebody is picking up the bill for these things that they do, and so. Um, they call him Gatsby. Now, Gatsby is never seen. We don't know if Gatsby is a female or a male. It's just this anonymous leader who is their benefactor, who pulls the strings, provides funding, and provides support. And so we figure Gatsby's great. Gatsby is so great picking up the tab. If anybody gets arrested, Gatsby's bailing them out. Gatsby is so great. But then you wonder, here again, when somebody's pulling strings, is that person good or bad? Uh, so that's a question we have to see as the story goes on. Okay, before I forget, because I don't want to forget, Thursday, it's Women's History Month, and this should be really nice. And she's listening to Marsha Casper-Cook. She wrote Sailor, and we have Stella Terhart, who wrote Discovering Twins, and we have Celia True, Where the Meadows Lies, and basically they're based on the Holocaust or some family horrible event. And we're going to talk about honoring three women writers and why they wrote their books and why they chose that particular topic. On the 22nd, we have Gambling for Murder. And on the 24th, this is a biggie, I couldn't believe it, Roy O'Hanson, Iris's son, kill a view. On the 28th, African Vengeance on someone we all know and love, Lee Matthew Goldberg, Vanish Me. And you're going to love this on the 31st, former FBI agent Michael Tabman and I take on whatever's in the news, anything you want to talk about, and more. I am just, it's, it's so much fun. And doing what I do is really fun. So tell us about, you see, women can be really vicious people. Tell us about Max's girlfriend and why she went after Kate. We meet Max's girlfriend, Angelina. Yeah. We meet her at the beginning of the book um, because she's with him in court, you know, when he's found not guilty in that first trial. And then outside the courtroom when um, they're on the sidewalk and Max and Kate are getting into that big argument that you know, turns violent, Angelina strikes the first blow. She's kicking Kate in the leg. She is, is standing by her man, you know. So Angelina is in the beginning, but it mm. isn't. Very long before Angelina is Max James' next victim because she is the mm. woman that he puts in the hospital. So uh, she is the victim in his relationship. Uh, uh, it's, it's a domestic abuse situation. Angelina is the victim of domestic violence. So when Angelina is hospitalized right after that not guilty verdict, Kate goes to her. Kate wants her to prosecute. Kate thinks she can talk her into it, even though Rubenstein tells Kate. The girlfriend isn't going to testify. The girlfriend will not participate in any criminal case against Max James. But Kate thinks she can turn her around. But she can't because in this situation, and this is common, this is true to life, she is one of the women who is a victim of an abuser, but she stands by him, just like that old Tammy Wynette song, Stand By Your Man. She, uh, she stands by him. She will not turn on him. She will not testify against him. And we even see in a scene in the hospital where, um, you know, he's just put her in the hospital, and then he's coming out of the elevator, and he's got gifts, and he's got pink heart-shaped balloons, mm -hmm. and he's calling her sweetheart, baby, honey, because an abuser does the abuse, and then they want to uh, uh, they want to apologize and get and get uh, uh, you know get the person uh, uh, back in good graces, and then the buildup starts again to the next incidents of violence. It is, 
it's an established pattern. I was on the uh, uh, I was on the Victory mm-hmm. Center in the Ozarks, and God knows we have a lot of domestic violence in the Ozarks. It has the highest rate in the state of Missouri, and uh, Missouri is number two, only behind uh, Alaska for men wow. killing women. So I have been. Um, an advocate through the Victim Center for women uh, who are victims of violent and sexual abuse for many, many years. And so really it, it's something that I've got some background knowledge and expertise about, uh, not only because of my years in prosecution, but also as an advocate for uh, women and children who are victims of violent crime. And uh, what what Angelina does in this situation is not so much fiction as it, it's really fact. It, it, it happens a whole lot of the time that uh, women, even though they have been abused and they have been injured, and and it's not the first time, uh, they don't want to. They don't. They're they're afraid, or they are so ingrained in the pattern that they mm-hmm. will not uh, participate in prosecution to see the end of it. And and here again, there are also there are women who would say a case is to be made, and you'll understand what I'm talking about because we've discussed the justice system, that what if they participate that it doesn't fix it? What if they participate in the justice system, but nobody locks him up, and now he's really mad and comes back, and maybe he's going to kill you the next time? I mean, there, there are women who would make that argument, that they're afraid to, uh, per, uh, to go along with law enforcement and participate in prosecution because that is not a guarantee that the problem will come to an end or that they will receive protection. So Oh, that I do know. Uh That I do know. It's scary. I had parents in my school that came in with black eyes, some of the mothers, and I would say, did you you walk into a door? I finally found out that their husband punched him in the head, and I said, I can report this right now because you're telling it to me because I'm here, or you can report it, whatever. I wound up reporting it because I wasn't afraid. And it was it was scary. I mean, I had a little girl that walked in and said, you see my arms? They're all burnt. My father did that last night. I said, I can promise you, sweetheart, he's never going to do it again, ever. And we called in, whatever. He came to open school. He said, did you see what I did? I said, there's a cop behind you. He's going to explain to you what you did. You know, uh, you, Mandy, you reporting some... is, is, yeah, that, that has been a great, great, a, a great help in the system that, um, Instead of uh, just having people in those situations have to decide, do I report it, do I not? Well, you have to. You have to. It's mandated reporting. You have to. It is, it's, so. it is mandated as a teacher, and if you don't, you can be arrested for not telling. And it's scary so because it I just, was never it wrong. It just takes the, the do I or do I not issue out of it, and um, it's, yeah. it's mandated. Report it. They got the phone. Yeah. I'd rather be, I, I always said to my site, my, I said, I always rather be wrong and apologize to the person than find out later that somebody's dead because I kept my mouth shut, which I would never do. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Who is Bill, and what happens that enlightens Kate to what really might be happening in the DA's office and why her mother's and her law, mother, the lawyer, which for James? We meet Bill early because Bill was her coworker in the DA's mm-hmm. office. They were office mates. They were office mates, and so they're friends. They're friends, and they had this great relationship, and then she gets fired. Even after she's fired, mm. she goes back because she wants to pump Bill for inside information because mm. he's still inside the DA's office. She's outside now, so she can't get any official word, but she knows that Bill can find out what's going on. Are they? What are they doing with Max James? What are they doing with Ian Templeton? And he's got a friend who works in white collar. So she does go, and she finds out um, about Max James, and she finds out from Bill, Max James is going down. They're going to take Max James down on this, uh, 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 on this Ponzi scheme, but they're not going to take any steps against his boss, that Max James is going to go down, uh, going to be prosecuted, but Ian Templeton will skate. Ian Templeton will not be going down. And so Bill is the person who gives her that news. Well, so a lot of times you you wonder in the news, like the the innocent person goes to jail, or somebody gets gets blamed for it, or gets side, you know, gets framed for it. So when this is over, I would say they're both bad guys. But Ian Templeton is the most culpable, and so they're going for the underling employee who is less culpable. God, that happens a lot of the time. I'm sorry, that one. 
that one here again. You know, we're writing fiction, but we're talking about the legal system. And that, again, is so often. Uh, the less powerful person is gonna uh, is gonna take take the hit and go down, while the person who is most culpable but who has more power mm-hmm. and more money is insulated and will not pay a price. So, let, without telling the ending, this was an unusual ending. And where does where, what's going to happen to Kate? Is she going to stay with her mother, or is she well, finally going to break a loose break loose herself? As we know, uh, well. Uh, or I, I guess I can tell you there is a sequel, and I'm writing oh, it right now. Kate's back. Kate's back. And we're going to see where she goes, and we're going to see how the whole group, uh, we're going to see where everybody in that group is headed mm-hmm. in the sequel. And um, and uh, because there are some different things that are happening to some different people that you get to know in Renegade. But, uh, you know, um, is a renegade. I mean, it's, it's kind of yeah. a perfect description. She quit the DA's office and went out on her own and ended up with that uh, bunch of uh, anonymous justice people. But she quit the anonymous justice group, and we know that she went to her mother's office, and we know she can quit her mother's job, too. She is a, she's a rebel, and she'll go her own way, uh, and that's just how she is. But we're going to see about how a lot of the people end up. And also, in addition, you know, there are some people that we got to know in uh, book one, yeah. and I think uh, I think the reader's going to want to know uh, what's next for them too, and so all these questions we will answer. Well, that would be really funny if she opened up her own law firm and hired all the guys from the from the anger management group to work for her. <laughs> You've got you're full of good ideas. Friends, uh, it's my it's my work yeah. imagination. Yeah, <laughs> I, I always wanted. I always wanted to be principal of my school, but unfortunately my mother got sick, so I had to retire. So I, you know, what can I say? I was the dean. And when you're the dean, you can only do so much when the principal has no clue about where life is going. So support support groups, you know, are helpful, and people go to them. But um, besides this, what's next for you? Are you bringing Martha back or the other one back with James Patterson? Well, Patterson, uh, Mr. Patterson, Jim, I get to call him Jim. So James Patterson and I are hard at work right now on our fourth novel. It's another thriller. Oh, nice. At this point, we call it Untitled, but, but <laughs> uh, we're hard at work on it. But we have a brand new lawyer, and here again, a Southern lawyer. You know, uh, we've been setting all of these uh, in the Southern United States. So we've got a Mississippi lawyer who is uh, – having all kinds of situations go on with uh, with trials and in his personal life and uh, in his community. But, um, but this time we're starring a man in the story. It is a male lawyer, oh, nice. not a female lawyer. Yeah, and uh, so that's a switch up. But we are going to – I think we're going to wrap that book up pretty soon. I don't know how long it will be available. And like I told you, we haven't come up with a title yet, but – that one's in the works, and also I am working right now on the sequel to Renegade, also untitled. Fran, I got to get some titles for these things so I can call them by name. But I am, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm busy. Well, that that is that is great, but you know what? They don't send me his books, and I know he just wrote one with Dolly Parton, and I have you know mixed feelings. I won't buy it. And I, you know, I don't ask for them anymore because I don't know why um, his publicist doesn't send me James Patterson. You and know, I've heard really- that. I've heard that some books are available on NetGalley, but I, I don't have a NetGalley widget. I can't widget. read them like I don't that. Even know. See, I'm not a widget person, so um, I, uh, so I know what you mean. But, um, but at any rate, um, I really appreciate that you uh, read Jailhouse Lawyer. Uh, and juror number three that I wrote with James Patterson, and uh, mm. and it so enjoyed our conversation about both those books. I really think that Martha should come back with the other with um, the other Leah and destroy anybody, destroy that judge. From, um, I think that that would from, be from, from a the lot jailhouse of fun. lawyer. I'll tell Jim you said so, but <laughs> I think it's a great idea. 
I, re- I really wish one of these days he would come on. I know he deals with. Does he write um, religious books? Because the guy in the in the diner that makes me my oatmeal grits on Saturday, I love him, um, said something about James Patterson. He's writing something different. I have never he's heard writing, that he wrote anything I know he's different. Written, he's written an autobiography. And that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But um, he's writing an autobiography, and I think. Um, I think that comes out in June. I know it's a summer release. He should send um, it to me because, um, you know, I think I know what I'm doing. And <laughs> you, you never know. You know, you got to tell me when they're coming out because this is unbelievable. I have no dates left in April, May, or June. or August, I have two. I'm waiting for Iris to tell me what date in August she wants. And then I have four in September, and she's one of them. So everybody better tell me when you have a book coming out. Because I can't believe this. This is unbelievable. You know, usually I have a whole bunch here, but I've got about another 75 interviews coming up when I count them up. Well, it's and no surprise I, to me that your dance card is full, Fran, because it is so much fun to talk books. I, I have fun doing this. You know, it's funny that you should say that because somebody said to me the other day, you know, now that you're retired from teaching, what do you do? I said, well, let's see. I read books. I tell the authors what I think about them. I do a review. I do an interview. And one of these days, I'm going to write the sequel to Population Zero. I started it, actually. And it's called The Dark World so far. I took one of my dark worlds that no one would want to live in and whatever. But maybe I'll get a better publisher this time that will actually help me make it better. Because it was was good. And my nephew's reading it. I can't wait to see what he thinks. He's nine. <laughs> he reads horror. He thinks his aunt is cool. Then he read that he reads horror. But this this is so great talking to you. And I, you know, beginning to understand the legal system. So I pretty much understand why people go through what they go through, and how you have to pray that your legal team doesn't get hooked in by the other side. And sometimes I, I wonder if the other side and my side or any side. Decide if you get something, I get half, and if they get something, I get the other half. I often wonder how straight they are. It's really strange. And here again, I think that um, ethical and dedicated lawyers are yeah. uh, some of the greatest people in the world because uh, my father so. was a judge. I, I, I am in a family of lawyers. But I also know that, uh, uh, like any profession, um, there's bad apples in the bushel, too. So Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, but I can't wait. Whenever you, the book comes out, just let me know so I can put you in oh, my you know schedule. <laughs> you know I, I know, will. but everyone, this is it's a hard world out there. And I have to say this at the end of every show, and I, that I'm so sorry. My heart goes out to the people of Ukraine. I hope to God that Russia realizes that what they're doing is criminal and horrible. And that the man that's running the country, they need to fix it. They need to do something because those people don't deserve what they got. But I have to say something to the people of Poland. The women left um, trams and carriages out by the train station. So if the women from Ukraine come and they need carriages for their children, they left them there. And I thought that was pretty pretty wonderful. So everybody. Yeah. Everybody do an act of kindness. It will be really nice. Nancy, thank you very much. Everybody have a great day. It's beautiful in New York. And bye. Bye Bye-bye.